Hey everyone, Dr. Chris Jones here from the Seeing to Lead podcast. Yes, this is another episode, so you are in the right spot, but it will be a little different today. We'll still have an interview, which you notice we didn't jump right into like normal. However, it's me being interviewed on the Leader of Learning podcast by Dr. Dan Krinus. You know, I really enjoyed talking to Dr. Krinus because he talked about my book with me and being learner-centered, but even more important than that, because it's always important that we reflect on what we're doing to better improve, he also asked me some really good questions where he pushed me in my thinking about what happens when we run into struggles with those systems we want to put in place. So this conversation was excellent. I invite you to listen to it. And before we get into it, I have one more nugget of information, a valuable piece of information for you that I have to share. You, you probably heard me talk about Danny Bauer before from Better Leaders, Better Schools and his masterminds. Well, he's also offering a training that's coming up. You can become a better leader in just five weeks or less by joining the Principal Success Path. The Principal Success Path is a five-week program at Better Leaders, Better Schools built on four steps. Step one, mindset. Step two, design. Step three, culture. And step four, results. Become a better leader in just five weeks or less by joining the Principal Success Path. You can sign up today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash success. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com slash success. I encourage all of you to do this because trust me, if there's something I love about Danny Bauer, and there's a lot, it's the idea that he over-delivers on all his promises. Now, as I like to say... Let's get to getting better and listen to Dr. Dan Krinus interview me on the Leader of Learning podcast. Make sure you visit it and subscribe. He's got some great episodes. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thought thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Welcome back, Leader of Learning. It's my honor and privilege to have as a guest in this episode, Dr. Chris Jones. And through the magic of podcasting, uh, you as the listener cannot hear how much technical difficulty we are having tonight. Um, we, we've started and restarted this, uh, this recording several times, but that's okay. Uh, I'm excited to have Chris here. And uh, if you would, Chris, before we get going, even though it's the first time for the listeners, I've heard it a few times, but if you could, again, please introduce <laughs> yourself, who you are, where you are, and what you do. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. And, and uh, what never gets tired is me saying thank you. Dan, for having me on this podcast. I'm really excited to, to talk to you. You do a lot of good work and uh, um, it's exciting for me. So um, I, I'm the proud principal of Whitman Hanson Regional High School. And uh, that's in the, the street addresses in Whitman, the buildings in Hanson, because we're a regional district. 
And uh, for those of you outside of Massachusetts, that's about 40 minutes southeast of Boston. Um, I say proud principal because I absolutely love being a principal. I think it's the toughest job somebody will ever love. Um, but, uh, you know, something that, that is important to know about me is I'm a teacher-centered principal. And sometimes that raises some eyebrows uh, because people say, you know, you can't say that. You're a principal. You're supposed to be student-centered and, and pushing everybody towards student-centered. Well, end result, I am student-centered, but um, I do that through teachers. I believe in supporting, engaging, and empowering teachers as much as possible so that when they come into the building, um, they are leaning into what they're passionate about. They're happy to be here. They're engaged. They're empowered to take risks and do what they want. And, and when, when you get teachers like that in front of students, um, the students always benefit. So I, I see them as my big domino to getting the results of students on a larger scale than I was able to when I was a teacher in the classroom. You know, I feel like we're, we're speaking the same language in a lot of ways. I talk a lot about transformational leadership and how it's uh, all about empowering staff and, and treating them like they're individuals, but that they're bought into the, the collective, you know, vision and mission of, of the organization and tapping into their individual interests and, and strengths. So I get it when you talk about being a little bit more teacher centered than, than people might think of a traditional principal. Um, but if, if you could explain that a little bit better, you know, you said it, it raises eyebrows, like to someone who that term may kind of throw them off a little bit, you know, what specifically would do you do in your day to day that would make you someone who really, I guess, focuses on kind of teachers first and everything else after? Sure. Um, teachers are at the beginning of, of most of my decisions. I do that through a simple question asking um, whenever something new comes down the pike um, as far as initiatives or anything like that. I, I ask what it looks like for teachers in the classroom because I think it's really important that leaders remember what it's like to be a teacher in the classroom and, and not lose that feeling. But, um, you know, I, I envision it like a circle. So the first, the first part of that circle is support. It's like a flywheel. And when I'm supporting, it's not always that I just say, oh, the teacher's always right no matter what they do. Supporting is about helping the teachers go through a process of continuous improvement. 1% every day, 10% every day if possible, but either way, getting better each day. And I, I do that through a number of things. Um, there, I, I'm constantly in classrooms. So, you know, informal walkthroughs. I, I give them almost instant feedback via Voxer um, on things that are going on. And I don't rely or overly rely on the evaluation piece. I, I, I believe in coaching um, instead of evaluating. Um, for a number of reasons, but it, it comes down to when you're looking at support and working with goals and working at getting better, it's about helping that teacher see where they want to be and then backfilling what they need for support to get there. So building that bridge with them so that they can cross that ravine, so to speak, and get to the other side. And once you support a teacher in that fashion, it becomes much easier to engage them, which is that second piece of that flywheel. Um, and you engage by, I love that you said this, the idea of individual teachers with the collective vision, getting them on board with the collective vision. I couldn't have said it better myself. See, as a school and as a leader, I have, I have a collective vision or a vision where we need to be as a school and where I'd like to see us as a school. That vision means absolutely nothing to individual teachers unless they can see 
part of their personal vision as to why they entered education in that vision. So part of the engagement piece is getting teachers to see where they fit as an individual, that what's important to them, how that fits into the larger vision, because then they buy into the larger vision, they get it, and they move forward working towards that. And I also, that engages them. And I also do a lot of, um, I'm their their loudest cheerleader. I'm on social media. I'm doing different things. So I promote the things that they do to make sure that it's getting out there so they they get engaged in that. Um, And then empowerment is that last piece. And the important thing about empowerment is once you get the teacher engaged and you move into that empowerment piece, it's letting go a little bit. It's letting go of your control a little bit and giving it over to them. Now, the difficult part of that is um, if you empower somebody and you do it to a point where they're going to stretch, they're going to fall down a little bit. Um, Hopefully, it's not a train wreck, but they're going to fall down. The trick being is that once they fall down, that's where you enter into that reflection phase. You don't redo or step in and do again uh, what they've tried to do and maybe not done the way you did. You accept for what, what it is. Make any little adjustments to it. You have to. But the important piece here is moving right back into that support piece of that flywheel. The idea is to get that flywheel spinning as, as fast as you can because once you get to empower, if you empower a teacher, they're bought in, right? You supported them. They're engaged. They take that step forward that they might not quite be used to, and then they fall down and you don't support them. Well, they're never going to step up again. You, you've got a ton of work now to do with that teacher to get them back to where they are. But if you do support them, they automatically stay engaged and you, you start to speed up the rotations of that flywheel until it becomes constant motion. And before you know it, you've got teachers that are passionate. They're, they're happy to be there. They see where they fit and they're taking initiative to do things. You know, I love a lot of what you said. I'm going to go back a few minutes. A couple of things that stood out to me that I really appreciated were um, when you mentioned first and foremost uh, involving your teachers in the the collective mission, especially when you mentioned that you're in classrooms constantly, I I really loved. I picked up on the fact that you said uh, providing instant feedback or or pretty quick feedback to the teachers using Voxer. I mean, Voxer is a an app that I've used for several years now for you know professional networking and and professional learning from educators all over the world really and so i i truly know how powerful that app can be whether it's connecting globally or whether it's just through leaving feedback as an instructional coach um i tried it didn't um I'm not at the school anymore, but a couple of years ago, uh, I was using Microsoft Teams in a very similar way where I would leave some audio feedback for uh, for the teachers. And it started to, to gain some momentum, but um, then I took a different position and uh, there went that experiment. Uh, but I really, I, I like doing that. Now, one thing that you said about being that kind of teacher-centered leader kind of conjured up this uh, thought in my mind, and I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, does it ever uh, b- bother people to a point where they feel like maybe lines are being blurred or um, you should have someone's back before, like, does does it ever, do, do people ever feel like you aren't necessarily supporting them because you're supporting someone else first or, you know, does that, does it make it difficult or actually, I guess, does it make it easier? 
I think sometimes, you know, that's a great question because it's not about, and and if I'm reading the question right or, or hearing you right, it's not about blurred lines between whether I'm supporting students and teachers, but blurred lines between whether I'm supporting the science teacher versus the English teacher. Um, I think it makes it easier because as I'm moving forward, and sometimes this isn't always an easy thing because sometimes teachers look at me as always wanting to continuously improve, and that can be a little much sometimes. Um, so I have to be very conscious of that. But I I work to to make sure that I'm addressing different things with different teachers. So it doesn't look the same for every teacher. It might be able to look the same for a department or some, or these four teachers over here that happen to teach different subjects, but it'll look different for other teachers. So the only time it becomes difficult where it might be blurred lines like that um, is when I'm not clear on my belief system and my vision. I'm very... I'm I'm very much about making sure we're we're taking care of the whole student. That's academics, and I, I think it has to do with my background. But that's that's academics, that's social emotional. So it's not like I'm foregoing the academic importance to make sure the kids are okay um, socially and emotionally. But if a kid's not emotionally or mentally available to learn, you can pound academics all day you want. It's not going to matter. So um, I have to be clear about that. And whenever there is is an issue that are that comes up it's because i haven't been clear enough or at least that's the way i take it so i just reiterate my vision i reiterate what i'm about and um in in all my communication i'm i'm very transparent i explain to people how i got to where i got um on the decision that i'm making so i think that helps at lexia we know literacy changes lives as the gateway to the future for every student literacy can boost their confidence and help them realize their full potential Based on the science of reading, our literacy programs, along with all of those dedicated educators, can change the path of students' lives forever. We believe literacy can and should be for all. That's why at Lexia, we're all for literacy. Hey, it's Blue, CEO of Blue Bunny. We just launched our new twist on soft serve, Twist Cones. The only things softer than Twist Cones are soft rock, ocean breezes, and the bunnies from accounting. And that's it. Blue Bunny, we make fun. You kind of lobbed one up for me, so I'm going to spike it home or send it home. <laughs> I don't know what the term Go is. For it. Um, you, you mentioned in there, the you know, really supporting the whole child, which as a an ASCD emerging leader and, you know, I'm a big believer in the whole child just as, as their uh, mantra and motto is. But you also in that mentioned it might be because of your background. What What is it about your background that really gets you to be that invested in not just the academics, but everything around student life? Well, it, it has to do with my personal why. Um, and my personal why is to improve the educational experience for everybody involved by being purposeful, acting with integrity and, and building character. Um, and that has to do with my high school experience. I did not have a good high school experience. Um, I didn't have a bad high school experience where I was, you know, failing things and getting into trouble or anything like that, but I was completely disengaged. Um, could I do the work? Sure. Did I want to do the work? I had no reason to. Um, I, I could have done so much better in high school, but just mentally I wasn't there. I wasn't a depressed kid. I, you know, I didn't struggle with things like that, but, um, I just never had any programming in my high school and, and, and some of this is my 
my fault because I, I could have been more proactive. And some of it is my perception was off, which I mentioned in the book. Um, but I didn't have an, an experience in high school that engaged me on all levels. I was big into sports. So I came, I did what I needed to do to pass and I did sports. Um, I can't tell you too many things that I remember like, oh yeah, high school were great years, you know, how people think back and stuff like that. So I think if we get an environment, a culture in school where students can find something for them, no matter what it is, um, so that they feel comfortable academically, obviously with challenges, they feel accepted for who they are and that they're seen for who they are. Um, and engage that way. That's where we want to be for education. Because if a kid isn't, if a kid isn't invested um, socially, emotionally, mentally, academically, if if you're missing any of those, then the kid starts to tune out and they don't reach the fullest potential that they can. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think. I mean, I would I would agree with you uh, a lot in terms of my own personal experience uh, in high school, except for the fact that um, while I I will admittedly say that I probably played the game of school pretty well. I, I mean, I, I did, I did well. I was in the top third of my class. I wasn't, I could have been even higher if I really wanted to, but by that time I found my passion for music. Actually, I, I played some sports growing up too, but really by the time I got into high school, I was a, a fairly accomplished musician and um, I, I just focused a lot on that. And I, I guess I, I would want to run with that, uh, thought for a second and ask you, I think I know what your opinion is, but I'd love for you to express it. Um, when I think about the whole student or the whole child, I also think about supporting academically their deficiencies, but also really um, growing their, their, the where they're, what they're skilled in, you know, what they do well. And I, and I still feel like, you know, like you said, we, we need to, to get there, get better in education, but that's one of the things I think we need to get better with too. Absolutely. I, and you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say something that might, might turn some people off, but um, there have been some really good things that have been put in our face because of this pandemic um, that we need to run with. And, you know, we talk about learning from adversity. If we don't learn some things and make some serious changes to education because of this pandemic, then we're we're really missing out, and we're we're not we're not walking the walk that we like to talk. Um, so the idea of backfilling for students and finding out where they are, we've started to do some really creative things. Um, we I just had a parent talking to me tonight where we don't offer a certain um, world language. Their kid is coming into our high school and has two years of this world language under their belt that they're learning and said, well, what if they want to continue to learn this because they've got two years, but you don't offer it. So what do we do? So we're going to find something that that kid is passionate about learning that language for whatever reason. I didn't dig into that. We're going to find a way to offer that kid credits for that. Um, if a kid needs to learn some class online so they can go do something else, but still attend during the day, we're going to find a way to do that. It's about becoming creative and disrupting the status quo um, that we're used to. You know, you mentioned the game of education. Well, education is such that it shouldn't be a game. And we need to focus moving forward on, and, and especially we have to work with teachers to do this, on what works for students. And that's not going to be the same for all students. Now, granted, there's going to be a vast majority that it is, but some students are going to have to look at things differently because they're interested in different things. 
And the other things, it's great. Look, it's great if we could always do what we wanted to do that we were interested in, but we can't, right? We need some of those skills. So we need to make sure that we're finding the way to approach filling them with that skill if they're struggling there. That works for them. Because clearly, if if the same thing that works for other students worked for them, they wouldn't have that deficiency necessarily. So we have to make sure we're thinking outside of the box for them, to use an overused phrase. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, though. And I think, like, for me, in my role as an instructional coach, um, w- one of the biggest ways I like to try and do that is because, like you said, yeah, it'd be great if we can offer, you know, 100% of the time students are learning about what they want to learn about, but it's not the reality. Um, so what I like to do is to try and mix in as many opportunities for students to at least uh, explain, you know, prove their mastery, explain what they know about subject areas in ways that excite them. Um, you know, my, my district, my school is uh, very big on technology and, uh, you know, students do have one-to-one devices, Chromebooks, and, um, you know, if there's anything that I can find from, you know, obviously I have a passion for podcasting myself. So if students want to try podcasting or creating videos, uh, you know, st- I'm kind of I'm kind of sick of um, PowerPoint and, and Google Slides presentations at this point. But if kids and teachers really love them, then far be it for me to stop them at this point. Um, but uh, you know, anything that gets the student excited about how they show what they know instead of just you know your your more traditional. And I don't want to, I don't want to use the word project. Like I still, I'm obviously, I love when teachers use projects, but um, not antiquated ones. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. You know, it's interesting that you say that. And, and there's something about um, giving the students the opportunity to show you their understanding in any way they see fit. The interesting thing, and the reason I call it interesting is because Quite often, right, if they're not all jazzed up about it, say it has something to do with, I I think about health because of a certain story I have in mind, but if they're not all jazzed up about showing their understanding on a topic in health, but the teacher says, "You, you show me your understanding in a way that just ties back to the health curriculum on any one of these major themes, the kid's going to pick the thing they feel most comfortable with, right? The easiest thing for them. And people say, well, they need to stretch themselves. Well, they are stretching themselves in the acquisition of knowledge because even if it's the easiest way to show it, they're still learning what they need to learn, even though it's comfortable. So um, they're still making that leap because they have to put the work in. They're just showing you in a way that they're comfortable with. And boy, when we're comfortable and engaged, don't we have such a better showing than when we're not, right? You get rid of those nerves. You get rid of that, oh, I hate doing this. You get rid of the dreaded sentence I'm not good at this. And so you relax. And before you know it, your your brain is ready to learn. You're available to learn and you move forward. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, it's just, it's it's so much of what I do in my day-to-day as well is, is trying to work with teachers to get students at least excited a little bit about what they're learning. And if that's if that can't come in terms of the actual acquiring of, of knowledge, then definitely showing it and, and proving what they know. Um, there are a couple other questions I wanted to ask you before we wrap up here. And, and one of them is another term, right? You already talked a little bit about sort of that term of 
being teacher-centered or learner-centered, I wanted to ask you about uh, See to Lead or Seeing to Lead. That's not only um, the title of your of your own podcast, but I think kind of one of your biggest beliefs when it comes to leadership. So uh, if you could explain that a little bit. Sure. And that that is my cute way of doing it in acronyms for support, engage, and empower. So C, um, seeing, supporting, engaging, empowering to lead. Um, I made that play on words because I think once you step back and you really look at how you're supporting and purposefully engaging and empowering people, you gain better clarity. You gain better clarity and sight to stick with that analogy of where you're going as a leader and where your organization can go. Um, so that's, that's where that title comes from. Um, and it was, it, it was something I played with when I started doing presentations on this topic. Um, and it's, it's just manifested itself from there. I love that. Again, you know, it's kind of what we started the conversation with really about, uh, empowering staff and, and students alike to, uh, you know, kind of uh, be be part of the movement and and buy into uh, the organization's vision and mission. So I think I think it's an easy enough acronym to remember. Not only is it short in terms of just three letters and three words, but powerful words too. So I, I appreciate that a lot. Now um, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I, I did want to ask. <laughs> we, we actually had not only did we have uh, like three or four attempts at this recording tonight, we had a couple of. Uh, of missed opportunities a week or two ago, you actually just recently got an award. I, I was wondering if you could explain that a little bit. So congratulations, first of all. And uh, what was the award and what was it for? Thank you very much. I, um, I appreciate that. Um, and I, I don't take compliments well, so I'm sitting here turning red. And <laughs> But um, no, I was the Massachusetts School Counselors Association Administrator of the Year. Um, and I was nominated so by you're my a counselor center leader as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, and that my director of counseling, uh, at the school is the one who nominated me. And I, I wish I could remember some of the words that she said when I, um, when they announced me as the winner, but, um, it has to do with supporting your counseling department and putting in innovative programming or structures that help move your counseling or your your counseling department's ability to serve students in a better way forward. Um, and so the, the Counselors Association for Massachusetts has this award every year. They do it with their counselor of the year. Um, and I was lucky enough to be nominated and, and receive that award. That's excellent. Congratulations again. And then Definitely. Before we go, uh, talk to us a little bit about this book that you've been working on. I know it's not out yet, but it will be fairly soon. Uh, if you have a release date or, or you know an estimate, uh, let us know about that. But what is the book? What is it about? What can we expect from that? Sure. I um, I do not have a release date yet. I I'm anxiously awaiting for that. Um, it's with the publisher, and you know they're they're working on it. But it is all about supporting, engaging, and empowering teachers. So it's full of it's full of personal anecdotes um, and a lot of ways how I came to think the way I, I think. But then it's broken into sections, and the first section is about supporting, and it's about you know building that bridge to help teachers um, improve their craft. And it gives examples of how I do that, and it gives tools that I use to do that. Um, and then what follows with the book is the piece on engage, and it talks about attaching people's personal mission, 
uh, and vision, um, or why, if you want a, a, a more popular term as to why they got into education to the larger collective vision so that you can all move forward. And, it, and again, it follows the same thing. It gives a little bit of a reflection on that. And then it gives me, um, practices that I use. And then it, it, it gives some tools. It gives some examples. You know, um, I did a whole, um, I did a whole exercise with my, my faculty, um, on building stories from their individual whys, uh, because we kept regrouping until we got a collective why by sharing their individual whys. And then we built stories to, to have a story of who we were basically, um, and what we believed. And then it talks about empowering. Um, and it, it goes through what I do to empower teachers. And, um, again, it gives you tips, tricks, tools, um, and resources that you can use. And I actually, and I don't think it's a very long part of it, but it's something I'm looking at expanding later. It's called release um, because there's a, there's a stage from engaging teachers and bringing them along um, to empowerment. There's, there's that gray area there where you have to release. You have to give away control. And, and man, sometimes, sometimes that's hard. It can be scary for, you know, all the reasons that, oh, I'm where the buck stops. But it can also be scary because of that control aspect of it. And that section of release is the highest form of engagement, but the lowest form of empowerment. And so I just touch on that a little bit. But I, I run you... I run you through the book with resources and it's meant to be, um, an easier read, a practical read. It's not, um, massive research citation stuff. Um, but it's, it's definitely useful from the people that have read the, the, the pre-published copy. Um, I've gotten a lot of good feedback on it. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And, and, you know, not just about the C, other, the support and engage and empower, but, um, you mentioned the the release thing, and I feel like it's something that I've been telling people for years about. I always approach it like this: educators are some of the most passionate people that I that I've ever been around, and because of that, they're so invested in what they do that it's very hard. And, and I'm talking about classroom teachers through you know administrators, like everyone put so much of themselves in what they do that it's almost natural. Like I, I understand why people need to feel like they're in so much control. And so it, it's just naturally difficult to release and, and give up some of that control. It's hard for classroom teachers. It's, it's definitely hard for administrators and, and teachers feel that. And I think they felt it more so than ever over the last few years during the pandemic as you know, more and more kind of policies were, were in place and things that they needed to abide by and adhere to. So um, that's what excites me the most, I think, about your work and about looking forward to that book. Um, I know you don't know where when it's going to be out, but um, as we wrap up, how can people get in touch with you? And also when the book does come out, where can they find it and uh, get more information about it? Sure. They can, um, they can find it anywhere where books are sold. That sounds weird to say that. Um, but, uh, also I'll probably be mentioning it on my podcast that has the same name, the C to lead podcast, which, um, one of the things, the interesting things about empowering people, when you empower somebody to talk to them on a podcast, um, all the different things I hear that help shape my viewpoint about that, because I'm actually hearing the voices of people that are living it. Um, so it's really interesting, but, um, best way to get in touch with me is probably through Twitter. That's, um, at Dr. D R 
C.S. Jones. Um, so that's at Dr. C.S. Jones. I, I'm also on Facebook, um, Dr. C.S. Jones. I'm on Instagram, Dr. C.S. Jones. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm all over the place. If you look for Dr. C.S. Jones, you, you pretty much find me. Um, my blog is drcsjones.blog. So but reach out. I, I'd love to hear from people. Yeah, easy enough. Uh, congratulations again on the award and, and the book. I know it's not out yet, but uh, looking forward to it when it is. I know your work is basically done. So again, congratulations. Thank you so much for your time here tonight. And uh, you know, good luck the rest of the way this, this school year. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, 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 really, uh, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. So thanks. Well, that's a wrap. But not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. Thank you.